All right, everyone. I am here with Tom Fiegel. Tom is the co-founder and CEO of Beyond. Beyond is a startup focused on treating addiction, especially opioid addiction, using psychedelic medicine, and in particular, using a psychedelic called Ibogaine. Um, Tom, thanks so much for taking the time to hang out and talk with me today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, it. Brom. Thank you. It's good to see you. Nice it's good to, to see be you too. here. Yeah. So I, I think you have a pretty interesting company that's a little bit differentiated from the stuff that I've had on the show before. Um, there are some companies that are working on treating addiction, but they're more on like the drug development side. You guys are actually interacting with patients directly. You're like all the way, you're sort of solving the last mile, actually, you know, getting the treatment to the patients and delivering it to them in the best way possible. Maybe it would be good to start off with just an overview of like how serious the opioid addiction problem is and how Ibogaine can, is potentially way better than the existing treatments that are out there. Cause I don't know that everyone well, is necessarily aware Sure, sure. So the opioid uh, epidemic, we call it, the um, uh, overdose, uh, fatal overdose epidemic has skyrocketed, especially during uh, the last few years with COVID-19. We saw a 45% increase, uh, topping out at 100,000 deaths in the U.S. for the first time in history. So if you think about that for a second, that's 273 people a day, every single day uh, of the week, uh, yesterday, today, tomorrow, uh, with no abatement in sight. And um, that, uh, that's never happened before. Now, if you think about the compounding effects of the suffering, so for every overdose, there's several people that don't quite overdose. And then there's several other people who come close to overdosing uh, and affect the lives of many other people. So we're, we're focused on trying to create a solution that will uh, reduce that materially. And we've seen statistically the conventional solutions in uh, rehabilitation, drug and alcohol centers in the U.S. have a very low single-digit success rate. So Ibogaine in particular has demonstrated that it interrupts the withdrawal symptoms of opi opiates in particular and alcohol and other substances. This is a key factor because it's the withdrawal symptoms that prevent most candidates for treatment from beginning or carrying out the steps recommended. Gotcha. Yeah. And Ibogaine, I mean, how, how did you even get into this? You know, Ibogaine is not something that's certainly, you know, that's, that's known to the, like, you know, the public at large, I guess. What, what was sort of your backstory and how you sort of ended up, you know, being a guy that is running a company dedicated to using Ibogaine to treat addiction? Well, like many of these, uh, stories, it, uh, it's a personal one for me, someone in my family, was affected directly by uh, opiate addiction. And it started in a way that's quite similar to the scenarios of many other people in the U.S. They were prescribed Vicodin, an opiate painkiller, for a very routine dental procedure. But this substance affected them in a dramatic way. They wanted more Vicodin. They, they were prescribed more Vicodin. And over the course of about a year and a half, they couldn't get the Vicodin. And so like many other people, they went to a substance that would satisfy the withdrawal symptoms, but wasn't prescription. 
this was uh, IV um, heroin. And so what happened was they, this person, um, we were able to get them to go to several different high-end uh, drug and alcohol rehabilitation centers in the U.S. They did what they were told. They went for more than uh, 30 days, sometimes 90 days. And they would get clean, but they would have the withdrawal symptoms sometime afterwards. It wasn't until a friend recommended Ibogaine at a facility in Mexico that they knew about the substance, they tried it, and miraculously had no withdrawals in 12 hours after a very intense psycho-spiritual experience. So we've been aware of this for 13 years because they've been off all drugs and alcohol since that time. What, what caused the creation of Beyond was the fact that the environment in which this procedure was conducted was, hmm, let's say, very uh, uh, rudimentary. Uh, it was an underground provider, of which there are many, because Ibogaine still is a Schedule One substance in the U.S. So because it's illegal, people go outside of the country to... Uh, to try it or to use it. And, and so they went to a facility in Mexico. The environment had no medical support, uh, no uh, um, uh, advanced cardio life support systems, no training. In fact, the rumor has that people were using opiates in the facility, um, just about the worst you could possibly get. Um, and so when... Um, uh, in, in 2021, uh, I was transitioning from uh, one executive position uh, to my next. I decided there should be a facility in the world where somebody could go that we would recommend, that we would feel they had adequate medical care, scientific integrity, the right sort of nursing, the right sort of psychology, and most importantly, the right sort of aftercare. Because if you think about this care continuum, this experience of a, of, of a, of a patient, it's after the, the withdrawals are interrupted that the real work has to begin. And so we've really, we decided that in order to do this right, you don't just have to qualify the person. You don't just have to provide the procedure. You really have to envelop them in the therapies that are necessary to support them through the transition after I began. Gotcha. Yeah, there's a lot that I could touch on there. I think it's important for people to recognize that on the one hand, you hear a lot of stories that are very similar to what you just talked about. Like someone has struggled to get off of opioids for a long time, then they have a single Ibogaine experience, and then the withdrawals are broken. But what that story doesn't necessarily like show is the intensity of the Ibogaine experience, which I have never personally experienced myself. But you know, it it's a, it's a very intense experience, and it's not without its risks, which is why it's important to have like the proper you know medical care and you know properly trained professionals on site. And um, it really does, you, yeah, it really right. does need to be a holistic approach. It really does have to encompass the physical, the psychological, the relational, and as you touch on, the spiritual aspects of the experience itself. Ibogaine is known to be, as you put it, a very intense 
psycho-spiritual experience. The, the trip is super intense. However, it's also uh, an accelerated um, experience that would otherwise have to occur to really get to the underlying trauma that is causing the maladaptive coping that the drug addiction represents. Something we believe that, that most addicts, if not all addicts, have some sort of trauma in their life that they're, that's untreated, that they are reducing the suffering of through the behavior of addiction, whether it's alcohol or other substances, opiates or other substances. So what, what Ibogaine is trying to do is safely accelerate the discovery of, of what that trauma is. And so the therapy can begin. Now, it also has the physiological effect of eliminating the uh, post-acute withdrawal symptoms. This is the 90-day period that m- during which most addicts w- for opiates and other substances go back. It's when they're getting back to life. They can get clean, but it's when life stressors come back into their life, family, job, money, relationship, etc. That's when there's something that causes them to go back. And so Ibogaine has a unique characteristic of eliminating that experience so that the therapeutic work can really begin, can have uh, effects and take root much faster than, than other scenarios. So, you know, this happens in 12 to, to 24 hours as opposed to 30, 60 or 90 days in a conventional treatment facility. Right. And what I think is cool about Beyond, um, you know, disclosure, my investment fund, Empath Ventures, did invest in Beyond's uh, first fundraising round. One of the things that I liked about what you guys were doing was that, you know, I had been aware of the Ibogaine, you know, addiction treatment world for a while. But when you just, if you just Google Ibogaine treatment, you find all these websites that, first of all, look like they're, you know, built in the 90s. Second of all, you read reviews and there's like a lot of very sketchy stuff that you hear about. Sort of like what you talked about with the person in your family, right? Going to this place that was, you know, not exactly above board (laughs) with everything. Um, And it, it just seems like it's like on the one hand, you have this very powerful and effective treatment. But on the other hand, because of the nature of the beast, the fact that it's illegal in the US, that you basically have to go to Mexico, and probably because of the fact that you're dealing with people that are desperate for solutions, right? And they're also they're desperate plus they're vulnerable. Vulnerable not just because of the addiction they're going through, but also vulnerable because they're going into a very intense psychedelic experience. It just seems like the space attracts a lot of, you know, shady operators. And what what I liked when I saw the Beyond Deck is I was like, wow, he, this looks like some people that are basically trying to create, you know, a fully above board, like legit, for lack of a better word, you know, I, I began treatment program and facility. So yeah, I mean, maybe you could touch a little bit more on like how you are, you know, set apart from some of these other companies like Clear Sky. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Um, I mean, it, it, it really touches on the entire care continuum. What we're trying to do at a most simple level is to create an environment where we would want to send, God forbid, a loved one or a family member or a friend. So we thought about what do you have to do in the very beginning to qualify someone 
for an ibogaine treatment. So we, we're not trying to sell you an ibogaine treatment. We're trying to prepare you if you're qualified for an ibogaine procedure that happens in Mexico. So you, you touch on something very important, which is the vulnerability, right? People are desperate. Family members are desperate to try to find a place that will really help the person who needs it. And so the first thing we do is education, really deep education. This is not about reading a website. This is about meeting someone who can explain what is both uh, going to happen, what are the risks, and how do we mitigate them through the right sorts of assessments, uh, laboratory testing, et cetera, to make sure that the person we're talking about is a qualified candidate. One of the metrics we use is how many people do we say no to? It's a very sad experience, but the, the, the need to prepare someone for this procedure is so important that we actually know that we're going to be saying no to certain people. But if you think about it outside of the context of psychedelic uh, assisted therapy for addiction, this happens all the time. If you're going to go get an appendectomy, you know, the doctor's going to make sure that you're going to be okay during the procedure. It doesn't matter what the, the medical procedure is. Part of the care continuums to make sure you're qualified. Right. And part of the, the challenge with sort of these psychedelic business models is that on the one hand, you know, they're supposed to be like healing modalities, but obviously there's a financial incentive to just give as many psychedelics to as many people as you can. Right. And that's kind of the challenge. So yeah, being able to say no is important. Could you maybe give an example of like what would disqualify someone from a treatment? Sure. A previous cardiac uh, incident, heart attack, something that shows up in their EKG um, that indicates to our medically licensed, uh, board certified emergency medicine and addiction medicine doctors who have MDs after their name, um, uh, that this person could have a higher level of risk than they know how or they want to uh, treat or embrace. So look, our doctors are trained um, in emergency medicine and addiction medicine. They've done thousands of successful Ibogaine treatments over decades, right? They, they've never had what we call an adverse consequence, which is someone who de exhibits some physiological response to Ibogaine that, that means an intervention is necessary, whether it is, um, you know, some sort of cardiac care or maybe something not as, not as significant. The way you avoid that is you don't let people who are not qualified in in the first place. And so if you think about the history of Ibogaine underground treatment facilities, normally what happened was an addict found Ibogaine. They had a miraculous experience. They decided they could help people with all best intentions. So they decided that they wanted to become a provider of Ibogaine. What they forgot or what they ignored was the need for risk mitigation. And so there's some very good, very um, uh, well-intended 
underground providers out there, but they don't have the equipment. So the other thing we do differently than other facilities is we invested in the state of the art equipment that is in the room with you to make sure that you're being monitored properly. And that if there is any indication of some uh, hint of an adverse event, intervention could occur. This for our doctors has never happened, but they're prepared, right? It's kind of like flying a plane. Most pilots have never been involved in a crash, but they know what to do if something seems to suggest they might uh, need to avoid a storm or, 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 or prepare for um, some turbulence. So what we do differently is, number one, we educate people. Number two, we qualify them extremely meticulously. Number three, we prepare the environment with the best possible people, with the most experience. We have two, Dr. Jeffrey Camlet, our chief medical officer, and Dr. Felipe Malacara, our chief clinical officer. Both of them are the most experienced MDs um, in the provision of Ibogaine. They've both done thousands of treatments with no adverse events. Dr. Felipe Malacara was the number two doctor at Clear Sky for 17 years. And he left there, I think, because he really wanted to do things differently. He really wanted to be part of a team, part of an environment that was designed to treat the entire client or patient experience. So the last piece that we're really focused on and is different is the aftercare. The what, what in the psychedelic world they call integration, what we call aftercare. So it's, it is robust. It is uh, telemedicine. It is psychological therapy for the treatment of addiction. Gotcha. And that aftercare, does that take place at the same place that the Ibogaine treatment happens? Or is that aftercare process something that happens over the period, you know, over the course of months, you know, maybe via telehealth? Like, how does that really yeah. work? Well, it's very interesting because when we were, you know, look, um, again, there's never been anything in the Ibogaine world uh, like what we're doing. The environment is uh, purpose designed. It's the kind of place that you'd want to spend a week. It's the kind of place that you'd want to spend a weekend, you know, pool, nutrition, uh, how, what we call healthy experiences, yoga, art therapy, music therapy, um, movement, um, everything from, from uh, Tai Chi to dance. This is not required, but it's certainly offered because we want people to never get bored and always be uh, preparing to develop themselves. So, um, what, when we thought about how best to design this experience, we thought, number one, you've got to really engage with a client up front. And so everybody like we are today is familiar now with using zoom or using, uh, telemedicine, uh, tools to connect through video. So our coaches and our therapists are based in the U.S. They're providing a service largely to people who are in the U.S., though we do have international uh, clients. Um, that happens remotely. Prior to your qualification and prior to your departure for Me to Mexico for a procedure, the experience, obviously, the procedure happens outside of the United States through... Uh, beyond Mexico, where you're 
uh, you're engaged with doctors, nurses, psychologists face to face, right? Just like you would expect to do at a hospital or a doctor's office or a treatment facility. What's different is the same coach that you met while you were preparing can connect with you via telemedicine in Mexico. So there's a continuity of care. And then when you're departing Mexico, it's that care provider, that coach or that psychologist who's essentially virtually escorting you to the, your, your, from the facility to your home. And then when you get home, the first person you talk to is the, person, the first person you talk to um, when you were being qualified. So th that's all done via telemedicine. And the good news is we can scale that significantly because there's a lot of providers, a lot of therapists uh, who are licensed and credentialed who are capable of providing the service with training uh, to better understand our protocols. Those people in the U.S., they're probably not even in the same time zone as their client in some cases. But we make a very um, concerted effort to make sure the profile of the coach and the profile of the client have some match. We're not taking, we're not taking a, a, a Navy SEAL and connecting them with an opiate addict, you know, even if they wanted to be. We're trying to find people who have shared common experience and can really, all of the coaches have done Ibogaine, for example. So they can tell you what it's like, what, it, what you're about to experience. They can help you prepare in mind, body, and spirit. And then they can help you after the procedure get back to get back to work, integrate with your family, et cetera. And in, in terms of scaling, I mean, I know right now all the procedures are done in Mexico, but I know you have, you know, ambitions to make it bigger than just Mexico. Maybe this is a good place to talk about sort of how this works legally, right? Um, Ibogaine, for those who don't know, is it's not a synthetic drug. It, it's from, I think, the root of the iboga tree, which is native to a certain part of Africa. It's been, the, its psychedelic properties have been known for a very, very long time. And uh, it's, it's, been, it's been used in certain cultures around the world. And in, in, is it that you can use it in any place where it's unscheduled? Is that right? And so you plan on opening clinics in places where it's unscheduled. What are some of those places where you might be able to expand? Right. Well, let's, let's back up. So first of all, what we provide in the United States is telemedicine, is mental health uh, treatment, is therapy, is totally legal and frankly, well, uh, extremely um, popular right now. Um, the fact that our coaches are helping you prepare for a psych psychedelic experience, they're not recommending that. They're helping you prepare for that, helping you prepare to make that decision. If you make that decision, then, it go, then you would travel to a location where the, the substance is unregulated or legal. In Mexico, it's unregulated. It's obviously um, utilized there because of its proximity to the United States. So it's easy to get to for most people, and it's easy to get home for most people. Uh, the, the substance itself, the plant itself, does come from the aboga root, um, a, a plant that is grown in Gabon in West Africa. So some people actually go all the way to West Africa because it's a, um, a, a substance that's used in a spiritual practice, and they want to go deeper into that sort of lineage, that heritage, that experience, and really understand 
what's next for them. How can they grow and, and, and become more familiar with the plant and the experience? Um, but, but most people don't want to do that. They don't have to do that. They go to Mexico. Um, we, we have two facilities in Mexico now. We'll be opening a third very soon. And we believe that uh, we really need a network of these premium facilities, all using the same protocols, all using the same shared data, the same backend technology that you would expect in a class a facility in, in the United States, CRM, electronic records management, all of the same sort of technology so that it isn't um, ad hoc ever. Uh, same same technologies in the room. So we think that we need probably 10 facilities in Mexico alone just to make a material impact on the need within uh, the United States. So... Uh, again, 273 people, one every eight minutes during this podcast, probably, I don't know, four people, five people may die, will die of an opiate overdose. That's how serious it is. And again, we're not talking about heroin addicts. We're talking about people just like the person in my family who had a prescription did what they were told and then ended up addicted and having to find it in an illicit way. Now with the, the um, infiltration of fentanyl into street drugs, it's become incredibly dangerous. This is what's making the headlines. The headlines are no longer about, you know, how bad drug addicts are. The headlines are about how dangerous street drugs are. And there was just an article yesterday I saw it's not just heroin and opiates. It's cocaine. It's um, uh, um, Molly, MDMA, etc. This substance is is finding its way into illicit street drugs, and that makes it incredibly dangerous. So, so the last point: we believe that this is a global epidemic, uh, first of trauma and addiction, and we see a serious tramadol addiction, even in Gabon, even in West Africa, right? Even where the substance comes from, but it's not used there in the way that we're using it. So we intend to have at least one facility in Mexico, uh, uh, more than we already do in New Zealand, where it is legal. There's some complications about usage there, but, but these are legal issues that we believe as a, as a uh, team we can, we can overcome in South Africa, in Brazil, in Portugal, and other parts of Europe. And, and what's the pathway to it being a, for you being able to operate in the U.S., right? I think a lot of people are probably thinking, oh, well, you know, uh, not Portland, uh, Oregon decriminalized all drugs. There, there are a lot of movements like decriminalize nature to decriminalize a lot of these plant-based psychedelics, you know, which Ibogaine is, how do you see, do you see a future in which you're able to operate in the U S it's a great question. And, you know, look, we think we need to, uh, build a network of facilities and capacity uh, outside of the U S because people are dying today. Right. We can't wait 10 years for it to be legal or longer. Um, the FDA and, and other organizations have been looking at what would need to be true for Ibogaine to be legal or decriminalized for quite some time. But you're right. 
in in certain environments, certain uh, jurisdictions, plant medicines have been decriminalized. We support that 100%. But if you look at the fine print, it's usually for non-commercial use. So they've decriminalized possession and they've decriminalized in some cases the the uh, use by individuals, but the sale of it is is not decriminalized. Um, and so there's an inherent uh, conflict in what we're doing. We don't sell Ibogaine. We don't possess. We don't import. We don't manufacture. We don't store Ibogaine in the U.S., and we never will. Um, however, we would love to see addicts who are seeking treatment, um, people who are suffering from trauma, who are seeking treatment, have access to this plant medicine, whether it's through us or anyone else. And and a decrim sort of uh, strategy is likely to increase that possibility. Yeah. So you would basically, basically the, the decriminalization won't allow you to operate in the U.S. You would basically need either the FDA to approve Ibogaine as a treatment for something, and then you could offer it, you know, off label, or maybe you would need a jurisdiction to go one step further beyond, um, beyond, uh, you would need, you need a jurisdiction to go beyond decriminalization and into, you know, either medical use or, uh, full recreational legalization, basically. Yeah. Um, so, well, so, well, those things but may there, happen, but there's but another scenario, away, right? Okay. There's, the yeah. Scenario? There's another scenario, which is, you know, Opiate overdose, alcoholism, drug addiction is directly affecting the economics of state and municipal governments, right? It affects law enforcement costs. It affects incarceration. It affects therapies, hopefully. And, And so there's a huge drain on the economic um, contribution by these people um, in, in many dimensions. And so it's in the interest of cities, states, and we think the federal government to offer treatment that works. So Ibogaine is known to work at a statistical, uh, consistent basis, much, much higher than conventional therapies. Uh, high double digit as opposed to low single digits of conventional therapies. So we think that once there is material evidence that shows the success of this treatment in a medically supervised manner with qualified professionals, and we have uh, individuals who can testify to this, not anecdotally, but we're, we can we can show Uh, from observational and clinical research, the success of these treatments, which we know we'll get to, right? This is not an experiment. We know we'll get there. We just need the consistent evidence to show that this stuff works. Then I think we'll have the opportunity to at least ask uh, municipal or state governmental officials, hey, can we help you with this problem? Will you give us the opportunity like you did with medical marijuana to help these people who desperately need a, uh, what is now an alternative treatment to address this extremely expensive problem that's causing chaos. It's causing havoc and it's causing great suffering for your constituents. So medical marijuana is a similar roadmap, similar playbook. Marijuana, as you know, is still a Schedule One substance federally, 
but it's oftentimes used legally at the state level. That started in a similar, in the way that we think this may play out. Nevertheless, we need to do treatments today because people are dying today. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, maybe it would be useful to get into some of the, you know, more fine business details of this. You know, I, I think that when you talk to a lot of the people that are investing actively in the psychedelic space, they sort of have this notion that, well, you know, the, the clinics, they kind of group everything that's a physical location together into clinics. And they say, well, you know, the clinics are kind of unprofitable, which is largely correct when you're talking about like these ketamine clinics that are popping up all over the U.S. How should people view what you're doing as different from what these, you know, ketamine clinic operators are doing? And why is there, you know, maybe more of a, um, you know, economic upside to this business model as opposed to that traditional like ketamine clinic model? Well, you know, I think we've we've adequately touched on the uh, addressable market, right? So there's millions of people that have um, seriously problematic addictive behaviors to substances and other um, uh, experiences. So eating disorders, um, uh, gambling, sex, pornography, device addiction, we believe that we will have the opportunity to help treat, right? So the market is much bigger than where we've invoked the conversation, which is where people are dying today. Um, so there's an ocean of need and an ocean of demand. And the reason people don't go to treatment in the United States is three three reasons. Number one, it's extremely expensive. So we can provide a better result more quickly with longer uh, positive uh, outcomes at a third of the price, right? Now, let's be clear. This isn't for us. This isn't about, um, you know, doing, uh, trying to keep this as cheap as possible. We are priced at about the same level of other uh, Ibogaine treatment facilities like ClearSky. But what we've done is added, using telemedicine, we've added a, a, a um, set of services that increase the likelihood of success materially, but don't significantly increase the cost structure. The reason uh, Field Trip and others have such a... In, um, capital intensive structure is because those doctors are based in an office um, where you go. So we can offer through telemedicine a much more um, a cost effective um, uh, service to prepare you for Ibogaine. When you do the procedure, uh, when one does the procedure, they're probably comparing it to what they would pay in a conventional drug and alcohol treatment facility. So, so we're about a third significantly less than what they're charging. The reason that we, you know, we're not building facilities, right? We are um, uh, finding purpose designed, purpose built facilities that, that will work for what we're doing, a medical procedure. We're negotiating long-term leases and uh, we're prepared to build a network, sort of a campus, right? So we use um, certain facilities for detoxification and treatment, other facilities for acute aftercare, and other facilities for longer-term aftercare. They all kind of have a similar 
brand continuity, care continuity, and 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 um, and an experience from the uh, from the client's perspective. The reason we're more profitable um, than other retreats is one: we can treat more people more quickly. Meaning, a in, in ibogaine treatment, the procedure itself is a matter of hours, right? What we're doing before that and after that is ensuring your safety and ensuring your six, the, increasing the statistical likelihood of success. So, for people that don't have detoxification requirements, this can be a fairly quick procedure. For people that do, it can be a longer uh, uh, experience at the facility, but still um, uh, the cost structure uh, of that service is lower than conventional therapy, but the price is materially higher than a, um, a retreat, right? We're, this is not an ayahuasca adventure, and so people are you know, to get your life back, to get back to work, to save your life, to help someone who has tried every other option, right? This is worth paying significantly more, $10,000, $12,000 for a week of treatment. This is different than the 50, 60, 70, sometimes $100,000 treatment that uh, price tag for conventional treatment in the U.S., which doesn't, which even doesn't work, work most of the time, right? Yeah. Right. Um, one thing you said back there is you said for patients without detoxification requirements. I, I guess you're talking about people that are addicted to you know things besides opioids. So you sort of touch briefly on uh, what, like alcohol? I guess alcohol would have detoxification. Well, alcohol but gam- is a serious gambling. detox. Yeah, yeah, alcohol is a serious detox. So. So if we take the substance use disorders off the table for a moment and we focus on trauma, PTSD. So now we have people who might drink too much, they but but they're not drinking so much that they have to detox. Six, you know, people out of a hundred at some point in their life, you know, 15 million adults have PTSD in any given year, right? Um, 70% of Americans experience a major traumatic event in their lifetime. So what happens is they have an experience like that. We've read the articles in Time Magazine about the heroes um, who have been deployed overseas and come back. They were trained to be effective um, uh, soldiers, but they weren't trained to address the trauma and the traumatic brain injury that may occur through their deployment. So we've seen Ibogaine work uh, consistently for this patient population as well. Now, we also are doing um, research at Beyond to open that conversation up so that we can uh, work with our our psychologists to better understand if it works for Navy SEALs, does it work for second and third generation Holocaust survivors? Does it work for people who are wrongfully accused, wrongfully incarcerated, wrongfully uh, convicted uh, for a crime, people who are exonerated through programs like the Innocence Project? Does it work for eyewitnesses, adult eyewitnesses on mass shootings on U.S. campuses, right? There's a giant patient population of trauma. These people don't have to detox. 
they 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 can likely have the the qualification uh, and preparation for an ibogaine procedure happen more quickly and the aftercare happen more quickly, which might impact uh, the the cost structure and the price point. That makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, on P- PTSD and trauma, it's it's easy to think that, oh, that's something that, you know, soldiers or people who have been in mass shootings or, you know, an earthquake or something suffer from. But, um, you know, I've been reading the book, The Body Keeps the Score, which is sort of like the great one. U- great user book. manual for PTSD, I guess. And uh, one of the points that is made in that book over and over again is that things that most people would not put into those same categories, like even something as simple, I say simple as if it's not that big of a deal, but something like an emotionally neglectful parent can manifest in your body in the same way that being involved in, you know, an active shooter situation or something can. And so, yeah, like you said, a a tremendous number of people in the U.S. have, you know, various uh, symptoms and repercussions from trauma that they've experienced at some point in their life. And uh, I think seeing how things like Ibogaine can be used to treat the uh, underlying, like, physical manifestations of, of the trauma is like a bit is a very interesting thing and that's why i think these observational studies that you guys are going to be running at beyond are so cool yeah so again i mean these studies are run independently they're run by uh psychologists who are trained um and experienced in doing this we're providing the facility we're encouraging that this work be done so that the truth about the efficacy of Ibogaine for these types of diagnoses can be known. Uh, We believe that, you know, if 75% of people receiving treatment for substance abuse have histories of trauma, there's a corollary here. Like we're actually getting to the root of the problem earlier for certain people. And we know uh, if you read um, uh, some of the research that MAPS has been uh, publishing that if you can get to the tra- get to the client sooner uh, and closer to the traumatic event with a therapy that works, you have a much more uh, successful outcome. And so, um, yeah, we think that uh, ibogaine assisted therapy for trauma should be made available for any adult who qualifies medically and psychologically for that treatment. Um, so they, those people don't have to detox. They can engage in therapy more quickly. Right. And what about um, drugs besides Ibogaine? Right? I know that beyond you guys use Ibogaine, but you're not an Ibogaine company. You're a you know healing company, right? So do you, is there a future in which you're using other psychedelic drugs besides just Ibogaine? Well, yes. Uh, look, as I think I made clear, we, we're focused where the critical problem is right now, fatal overdoses, veteran suicide, uh, you know, the, the real catastrophes in people's lives and in communities and families through substance use disorder. But that opens up the conversation to what about all the other mental health problems? What about anxiety? What about depression where people are not having these catastrophic outcomes but need relief? They need medically supervised successful treatment. And, of course, our doctors are both capable and willing to provide those sorts of services with other plant medicines. We really do, I think, our ethos is oriented around 
the substances that are derived directly from nature, um, no offense, um, you know, to those substances that result from uh, both intentional and experimental from laboratory um, environments. However, we think for certain types of intentions, uh, nature got it right. And so uh, until and unless we find through science that these synthetic substances work better, um, then we're going to use the, the, the plant medicines that we think work uh, uh, most effectively. Now, what that, what that causes, though, is a much more robust uh, business strategy around the support of the communities from which these substances are derived. We can't, we believe that we can't heal the individual while harming the community from which the substance comes. So we have to uh, significantly support programs in West Africa through Blessings of the Forest and other nonprofit organizations that are indigenous led, um, uh, you know, community based agriculture, regenerative agricultural programs where the communities are incentivized for the long term success of their farming practices, which have always been in their history, right? It's only recently that they've been incentivized to, you know, go for the quick cash uh, through um, uh, psychedelic treatments, psychedelic companies, etc. So we believe that we have to heal the communities in West Africa and other parts of, or help heal through capital investment, through nonprofit contributions in order to um, essentially receive the medic medicine, the plant medicine that is um, going to have the greatest effect on the individual. Yeah. Well, I think it's important that you're concerned with, you know, the ethical supply chain is, is the iboga, I guess it's a tree. Um, is, is it endangered? Is it at risk for being endangered? Is it, is that kind of the situation that we're in? It is, it is at risk for sure. You know, I don't think there's a lot of agreed upon fact about this, uh, yet. Um, certainly it takes a fair, it takes a long time to cultivate, um, and more of it should be cultivated, uh, for the benefit of, of the, um, the world. Um, but, um, you know, uh, certainly, um, the economic incentives for the support of the long-term agricultural practices and the development of the communities. We're talking about schools. We're talking about um, healthcare um, um, facilities in West Africa and in that region of the world um, are necessary. So we're really excited about some of the commitments by the Gabonese government to ensure that the substances can be distributed, uh, exported from Gabon, but to do that in a way that has a, um, a chain of custody of this substance that shows that this particular uh, portion of this medication actually resulted in a positive impact in the community from which it was derived, rather than just sort of you know, a slightly higher level, you know, um, um, 
acquisition of this the substance in the street in Gabon through the high through a highest bidder. You know, we can do better. I, I, I we can do better as an industry. We can do better. You know, we have an opportunity as as entrepreneurs and as leaders to usher business practices into uh, this sector that demonstrate a, you know, on a higher order level of thinking. Um, you know, if we can, if we can um, do well by doing good across the entire spectrum of care, we should try. We should prove that that is possible. A hundred percent, man. I, yeah, totally on the same page there. I think it's very important that not just you guys, but the entire psychedelic industry holds itself to, you know, a higher standard than, um, you know, maybe some of these other industries that, uh, people in the psychedelics world like to kind of, you know, criticize and point fingers at. So we're very proud endorsers of the North star pledge. Yes. Uh, We encourage everyone to read that pledge, to sign that pledge. We have a very strong commitment to a patient bill of rights, which has objective third party, um, you know, um, oversight of any claims that might be made by anyone that participates in our care continuum. You know, this is super important that we do everything that the conventional healthcare um, uh, um, providers would do and then much more. Yeah. Taking it beyond the standard. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, we so, get a nickel every time you say the word beyond. All right. Every time I say beyond. But you have um, to spell it without the Y. That's right. Yeah. B-E-O-N-D. For people listening, it's B E O N D. There's no Y. B E O N D dot US, right? Beyond us is the solution. If you read our manifesto, you know, we, as you pointed out, Brahman, I appreciate that very much. You know, the, we think the part of the problem of this, you know, medical industrial complex is they're in the treatment business. You know, they're in the treatment, uh, they're in the business of providing repeat treatment, consistent treatment, consistent prescriptions, you know, come back and get your, your, um, you know, amber bottle filled at CVS and elsewhere. You know, we think we're in the healing business so that people can get on with uh, what they really want to do is not see themselves as mentally ill or, or an addict, but someone who has put that behind them and is now living, right? They're beyond their addiction, beyond the narrative, beyond the stories they tell themselves as to why they are that way. And they can now actually become part of a solution for other people, an example for other people, most importantly, their family and their kids. Yeah. I love it. Um, so where is beyond at now? I mean, if can people go, if they're interested, is there, can they go to the website? Can they sign up for treatment? What's sort of the status of the company as of now? That's exactly right. I mean, we have clients, we have, um, uh, medically qualified them. They are getting treatment. Um, we're also preparing, to we're always refining our protocols and improving our approach to how we are supporting clients in aftercare right so again think about this once we um, help you overcome your substance use disorder guess what happens that's when the trauma and the causes of those behaviors are much more apparent and that's when we believe we have to be prepared to envelop you in the therapy and, and essentially wrap you up in, in the types of professional 
therapeutic procedures that will help escort you to the healing that you're seeking. We're always improving that. So where we are now is really focusing on that aftercare piece and opening our next facilities. So we're targeting the West Coast of Mexico now. We need to have geographical accessibility to people west of the Mississippi. Uh, we're right now in the Yucatan Peninsula because that's where our, our, our medical staff was based originally. However, those people are, are already engaged in training of others to operate the facilities that we now have so that they can go open the next uh, set of facilities uh, on the west coast of Mexico. So where we are now is you can go to beyond.us, B-E-O-N-D.us. You can fill out a, um, uh, a set of questions, um, which will cause us to immediate, you know, we promise less than 24-hour response and engage you in that qualification process. It works pretty well. Yeah. Works pretty well. Awesome. That's so cool. Well, Tom, we've gone through a lot. Um, is there anything that you think we missed that you want to kind of get out of the way or anything, anything else that you want to, any other points that you want to make? I feel like we kind of covered the the majority I of think it. we did a good job. I yeah. mean, you, you ask good questions, Brom. You're, you, um, <laughs> Thanks, Tom. You, you ask good due diligence questions. You ask good podcast questions. I always learn from our conversations. I mean, I think, you know, we've touched on a lot of really interesting um, uh, topics. One of the ones that I think is, is most interesting that we haven't is the next generation of healthcare provider and how did they embrace this? What we, we consider IBM is technology, right? It's a technology that accelerates the outcomes that people are seeking that we hope to help them achieve. So helping, if you, you know, if you think um, laterally or metaphorically, you know, there's a whole bunch of MDs, nurses, psychologists, nurse practitioners that want to understand this technology. And we see Beyond as also a teaching facility to we're having, we're opening a residency program for new doctors. Um, they have to qualify just like a teaching hospital. They don't get to do anything except assist the doctors. Um, but we've been really, really pleased at how many people are interested in this. Um, because they understand that this technology is going to change, is changing uh, mental health and the, the um, spectrum of tools available for them to do what they signed up to do, which is to help people. Yeah, I think one of the defining features, one of the defining themes, I guess, maybe of the next 12 months will be the slow integration of psychedelic medicine into the world of just medicine. Um, and we just saw, I think it was last week, Cerebral, which is a massive telehealth platform for mental health that is not psychedelic focused at all. They offer, you know, SSRIs and Adderall and that sort of thing. And they're, I think they have like 300 billion in funding from SoftBank or they're a very large company. They just partnered with uh, one of the ketamine clinic providers to start offering, you know, ketamine to their patients. And so I, I well, think what, that, yeah, yeah, I think that that's what, what, kind of what we're, we're hoping to do, Brom, in all seriousness, it may seem, you know, look, we're doing more treatments with Ibogaine than have ever been done in the history of the Ibogaine underground treatment, you know, community. We also think that that partnering with conventional drug and alcohol treatment facilities to develop protocols that will integrate well with their environment. So this, um, this month we're starting a, 
a series of uh, professional um, uh, online uh, uh, panels and, and webinars for professional therapists um, where we're helping them understand, one, the technology and how does it work, but two, that we want to work with them so that we can help them prepare their clients, that we can help them usher their clients into an environment where they'll be medically safe and, and, and medically qualified and taken good care of. And then we'll usher them back to those therapists, to those environments where they can actually do additional work, right? We're, th- this is really exciting to us. We're starting um, our first one, I think, is on the 16th. Uh, we have one with Gabor Mate on the 24th of March. Um, and, you know, looking at trauma, addiction, and psychedelic um, uh, assisted therapies. And then we have every two weeks, I think in August, um, different professionals. If you go to uh, beyond.us slash Ibogaine Insights, you can learn of all the different people. So, you know, psychologists, uh, academics, doctors, nurses, researchers, um, uh, pharmacists that are all sort of helping to educate that professional audience so they better understand how we can work together to help them help their clients. And I think we could do that at a very high level with the, the, the large-scale drug and alcohol treatment facilities. Um, then we can really make a difference. Yeah. I love that because you guys are becoming not just the leader in the treatment itself, but sort of the thought leader in the industry, which is very cool. It's, it's uh, amazing stuff it's that you guys are doing needed. there, Tom. Yeah, it's, it's what's, what's needed. needed. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Tom, man, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. I, I'm sure people are going to learn a lot from this episode. And uh, I think, you know, 12 months from now, we'll have to do this again and catch up and, you know, see where everything's at. Because I think the next 12 months are going to be, uh, you know, pretty serious. I think you guys are going to accomplish a lot. And uh, I'm just really looking forward to seeing how things, you know, continue to go beyond. Thank you, Brom. We're really excited to uh, to partner with you to be part of this podcast. And I, I would say if we're going to do it in a year, we'd like to do the podcast from our one of our facilities in Mexico. I hope you're not opposed no, to coming do down, I'll fly down, and and, and you know um, setting up your your equipment in you know in a facility and see what it really feels like. I'm not, not going to turn beyond. down. I'm not going to turn down a trip to Mexico to podcast. So yeah, let's do it. All right, man. Well, I'll see awesome. you in Mexico then. All right. <laughs> all right, Brom. Thank right. you very much. It's great to see you. It's great to be here. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Talk soon.